You're listening to the Small Business Talk podcast with Kathy Smith. Small Business Talk is a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Kathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years and helped hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals. Welcome to Small Business Talk, episode 122. Today, my guest is Mark Grant, and Mark is from Costless Payment Solutions. And we're going to be talking about how to prepare your business in a cashless society. So welcome, Mark. Hello, Kathy. Thank you for having me on your program. You are very welcome. So we might start with explaining what a cashless society is. Sure, Kathy. What it's wholly and solely focused on is, as the name suggests, I call it a little bit of an evolution towards a society where cash is going to be uh, sort of referred to as a second form of payment solution. Now, I'm based over here on the East Coast, and I don't know across Australia if you've seen it, but over here, especially up in Brisbane, you are about to go into a cafe and the cafe has a sign, cash not accepted. So I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, cash not accepted? Well, cash has been around ever since Moses was a boy. So I'm thinking, what are they doing now? I, for one, I'm I'm not going to disagree with a a business owner who doesn't want to accept cash, but just starting to think whether it's more COVID-focused, that they don't want presumably reports have come out that disease or COVID can be passed on through cash notes and coins. But it's basically a case of looking at that. How are we going to prepare ourselves for a change in what we've been doing ever since year dot? So I guess what you're saying there is for our overseas listeners, we're talking about the eastern states of Australia. That's where Mark is located because our American guests will, of course, think that we're talking about the east coast of USA, which yes, yes. is not the case in this. And so I guess what you're saying there, Mark, is not that we're not going to be paying for things, but that we're not going to have coins and notes in our pockets or our wallets or our purses, which I guess has come towards a lot of that even before COVID, that people don't tend to have actual money in their pockets very much. I was recently in Sydney on the east coast of Australia, and there was a gentleman who'd brought his son into the post office. And he was teaching him how to buy something on a card. Whereas, of course, a long time ago, when I was taught about money, I would have been given a pile of coins Mm. and told to go to the shop. So I thought it was rather interesting that he was teaching this young chap a different skill set of actually using his card and making sure that he did get a receipt and how he was actually using it. So we've definitely changed a lot in the way we do use money. Yeah, we we do. And that's Specifically for the US listeners, you know, where you may call us a little bit backward in this little country down here, but yeah, it's a good good point you make, Kathy. That that's for sure. Yeah, here in Australia, it's sort of a case where ever since the dawn of time, so many many years, a business that needed to look at forms of accepting card payments that they would go to their bank. So what actually happened is probably in excess of five years ago here in Australia, we entered a sort of a deregulation in our banking sector. So that then enabled people like myself to enter that marketplace and to become another provider of payment solutions to that market I spoke of. 
It's, it's sort of a case where mentioned uh, 2024. So here in Australia, over the last, say, five to six months, that's been the time frame that's been bandied around in the press down here, is that that's when we can expect that we will become fully cashless. Now, it depends on who you talk to, because some people will say cash will always be around. Some people are saying, well, in the creation of cryptocurrency, that's just another form of converting cash into a form of transferable payment solution. A really interesting time for us. And it's it's a case now where businesses, if it is 2024, we're under three years away from entering that phase of our business's life. Just have to be aware of what's out there and, and how how do we accept payments into our business in that sort of environment. But most importantly, for those outside Australia listening, we've got some of the most profitable banks in the world here in Australia. So in saying that, it's very, very important that a business looks at ways of how do I accept card payments, whether they be face-to-face, over the phone or over the internet in a bank fee-free environment. It's sort of exciting times lying ahead. And I think that's very important for businesses to think about that because, yes, obviously you have things like you direct debits, that sort of thing where you can get your payments, but more and more people are either wanting to use a debit card or a credit card. So obviously being a small business, all the charges add up and people are looking at different options of how they can actually do that. So what would you suggest going forward that people should be looking at in their businesses of ways of being able to accept credit or debit card? Just a little bit about my background. Before starting my business five years ago, I had a corporate role with one of the major banks here in Australia. I've come from working for the dark side, (laughs) as it's commonly referred to here. I'm about to mention a word that uh, we could talk talk about for hours, and that is surcharge. So here in Australia, surcharge laws were introduced by our federal government back in, in September 2017. So what that enables a business to do is legally to pass on to their consumer a surcharge or small fee, whatever you'd like to call it, that is related wholly and solely to that organisation doing business for that transaction. If I can just turn that around, just break that apart for a moment. With FPOS terminals here in Australia, as an example, I don't know what they're called overseas, but we'll use them as FPOS terminals here, is that as an example, if a business uh, was to go into one of the major banks here, and let's go forward in time, say one year, that business could have paid to that particular bank $20,000 on average in fees and charges. I've just rounded that up slightly. I come across businesses day in, day out to the face with that breaking point where they've got increasing costs in their business and their profits are reducing. And they're really tearing their hair out to figure out how do I go forward? How do I continue to take money home to support my family and try and overcome the high cost of living pressures? That's sort of where people like myself have now entered the financial services sector. And what I'm able to do now is I'm actually able to provide the payment solutions that businesses need without the exorbitant costs that the banks would levy for doing so. Just break that apart for a moment. With an FPOS terminal, and my apologies for people listening to us outside Australia, But with an FPOS terminal, if you're a restaurateur here in Australia and you're accepting a payment of $100 from a credit card for a meal or lunch, whatever it might be, and you're using one of my terminals, it automatically calculates the legal surcharge based on the card type being used for payment. $100 sale will end up in, on average, $1.65 surcharge, so $101.65 the cardholder would be debited. So the business would accept the full $100 of their payment, the $1.65 
comes to me. I wish I say that's for me, but it's not. I use that $1.65 then to pay the bank fees and charges that incur as a result of that transaction. That is one particular um, example. People say to me, hey, Mark, I don't believe in surcharge. I don't know about there in the West Coast, Kathy, but here on the East Coast of Australia, when we go and fill up our car, our fuel price actually has a surcharge built into it. Why I'm saying that is I'm saying surcharge is here to stay. It's not going away. And you're paying for it in some shape or form, whether you know it or not. And that's true. It doesn't matter what you pay for. If you're using a service, it does have a cost to it. So obviously using a bank terminal like an FPOS machine, or even if it's through one of the online ones, that the business is paying that charge. So therefore they will be passing that on. So yes, whether it's an incorporated price or a additional price, somebody's got to pay it. Yeah, what I will say, and, and just uh, I just want to digress for a moment, is I come across businesses day in, day out, specifically around FPOS terminals. So they may have a terminal being provided by their bank, whoever it should be. Where that business has to be very, very careful in complying with the law is on what rate they are using to pass on to every card holder. I could talk about the surcharge laws here in Australia for hours on end, but I'll just give you a very, very quick summary. The surcharge laws state that the business is able to pass on its own private surcharge on the proviso that what they're passing on is the lowest cost denominator they are being charged by their financial institution. So let's just break that open for a moment. So I came across a hardware store in the southern suburbs of Brisbane four months ago. I was about to walk in there and there's a big sign on the front door, which is great that they're advertising the fact every card transaction incurs a 3% surcharge. So me being in the business I am, I thought, okay, there's something quite wrong here because I thought 3%, that's very exorbitant. So in talking to the business owner sometime later, and I'm pleased, I'm not having a go at any business owner. You've got so much on your plate now, and that's where you need to rely on, on people like myself that have to be aware of the law itself. So this particular business owner thought, okay, well, the highest rate my bank is charging me for uh, American Express cards is 3%. So I must be able to pass that on to everyone paying my card in my business. So it was a complete misinformation that that poor uh, business owner thought he was doing the wrong, right thing. Unfortunately, he was doing the wrong thing. The cost that he can only pass on to every cardholder was the cheapest cost that his bank was charging him, which was $0.60 cents a transaction. So as you can see from that example, if he decided to pass on $0.60 cents to everyone paying by card, his bank was still going to charge him 3% for one particular card type. It was 2% for another and $0.60. Cents. So he would have effectively been going out the back door very, very quickly. So cut a long story short, he's now using one of my terminals that passes on the surcharge according to the Reserve Bank here in Australia, the ACCC and the ATO, which identifies a surcharge based on the card type being presented for payment. Yeah, he was very, very appreciative because if you break that particular law, the surcharge law here in Australia, you could be up, uh, liable for a fine of up to $125,000. Here on the Gold Coast, a restaurateur, uh, probably 10 minutes drive away, was charged two weeks ago $80,000 no questions asked for breaching that particular law wow and a lot of businesses wouldn't know that either because you see it just across the board just a, a straight amount like you're saying there was three percent because it is covering those fees that you you're charging depending on the type of card the fees would be a lot lower so that is something that people really need to be aware of because yeah most businesses just put a flat if you pay by credit card it will cost you a percentage yeah, to those business owners listening, it's very, very important to be aware of how those laws can impact on you. 
that restaurateur, unfortunately, the, the story goes that he also was unaware, but unfortunately just struck someone from the government that was, wasn't willing to take that as any form of excuse and levied him $80,000 fine. Yes, and it doesn't matter what law you're breaking, unfortunately, ignorance or no knowledge is not a feasible excuse or evidence that you shouldn't be charged. So no doubt in the rest of the world, we also have other laws similar to that. If you are charging fees on credit cards, just check your local laws to to make sure that you are complying. So that's a very good point that Mark's brought up there, because I would imagine a lot of small business owners don't realise that. So just check your local, state and government laws. Yeah, and for those listeners here, when I started my business, it was all on the pretext that I would try and help as many people as I could across the country, even just giving advice. So if by chance you are someone who is uh, loyal to your bank here and you have, whether it be your FPOS terminal, your direct debbing, your online payment gateway or whatever other payment solution your bank is providing, Coming from that part of my life, what I would be suggesting to you is that yearly, unfortunately, I wish the banks are a little bit more proactive. Some are, some aren't. But what I would be suggesting is yearly that you make a point of actually going to your bank and having them prove to you why you should stay with them and what they're going to do to keep your business. Because as as you would know, Kathy, um, being on the other side of our beautiful country, cost of living pressures are quite astronomical. So if you're able to save some money in bank fees, increase your profit that obviously leads to money that you can take home and try and alleviate some of those you know astronomical cost of living pressures that we all face absolutely and of course banks are very good at getting in new customers but they're not so good at keeping their current customers yeah so being the squeaky wheel there and asking to have your accounts reviewed and making sure that you are on the best rates and sometimes you just have to call their bluff and say that you are looking to head to a different bank and that sometimes can spur them into action so just sometimes asking the question is what you need to be doing it's a case where i would suggest that you ask that question on a um, on a yearly basis anyway just put it in your in your diary so we've talked there about fpos terminal so that that's i can assist in leading into that magical year 2024 which is only inside three years down the track what i will say to people too i've noticed it more so here on the east coast of australia i don't know about there in the west kathy please ensure that you are receiving a hundred percent connectivity no matter where you are here in the on the Gold Coast where I am, I have more and more people who are starting to face issues in using the Square device. The Square device is a small payment solution that you're able to buy from your local office works here. What I'm saying now is in no way derogatory against the Square device. It has its place. However, here on the Gold Coast, um, for those outside Australia, we're the sixth largest city in, in Australia. And I have people here who are unable to accept card payments in using this device. So what was very important to me in when I designed my FPOS terminal was ensuring that it had 100% connectivity. I've actually built into the back of the terminal a SIM card, which enables the FPOS terminal to be mobile. It also enables it to achieve 100% connectivity right across Australia. I've got two businesses in Kalgoorlie in Western Australia, which is quite remote, where they've been using my terminal on average for the last nine months. And I make a call to them every couple of weeks to ensure that they are still getting 100% connectivity. Continuing our journey to 2024 in the cashless society, we have people now looking for what I call the lay-by system or direct debiting or recurring payment solutions. 
That is a way, rather than if you're running a dance school, if you're running a personal training studio, if you're in, in the business consulting space, if you're using that particular solution at your bank at the moment, what I would do is in the fintech or the technology space, that world is changing as quickly as we can blink our eyelid. So if you have existing facilities with your bank of that nature now, once again, recommend that you contact them because I know from my experience that my bank will, will gladly charge you a range of fees to provide that solution. But what you have to realise too is that those fees and charges the bank levied when you first set up that direct debiting solution may have been two years ago. Two years, there's been increased pressure on businesses, whether it be through COVID or such other uncertainties that business owners are facing. So what I would strongly recommend is that you go back to your banker, wherever they are, and have them tender for your business. Have them show you and prove to you why you should be there. Because if they don't want you... I'll certainly help you and provide the same solution without the fees that they're providing. And the other thing there too is volume. If you set it up two years ago and you were smaller than you are now, quite often a lot of the big providers, if you're putting through extra volume, they will drop your rates. But of course, they're not going to volunteer that on a lot of occasions. So you do actually have to ask. Reassessing and reevaluating all your charges, no matter what supplier it is, whether we're talking about the payment of money or any other sorts of suppliers. And I guess that's another thing that people get trapped up on is they've had subscriptions for different things and over the time they don't use them anymore. So going back through regularly and checking all your suppliers and all the subscriptions you have is definitely good business practice. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better, Kathy, because you could have signed up to that subscription two years ago and it was for the product that was really going to take you to the next level in your business. Suddenly you're there, you don't need it anymore and you're still paying for it. It's one of those things that we forgo. Continuing on to 2024, online payment gateways are a very, very interesting form of payment solution. If I can also just tag to that terminology called a hosted payment page, banks are looking at this range of solutions that they have at the moment and they're becoming a little bit more active out there in the marketplace, mainly wholly and solely around our evolution towards online shopping. Obviously, like other parts of the world, you know, when we're in lockdown mode, being a little bit luck in some parts of our country with that being so short, but it's led to an evolution in online shopping. If there's been an evolution in online shopping, there's more and more people interacting that way with business. Also, if there's more and more people interacting that way with the business, the banks are more likely to be charging you more for that privilege to your business for providing that solution. It's a case very much of reviewing that. As I said, now that we've got the world at our hand through Mr. Google, that you can jump online and you can actually review your payment solutions online as well. If you have a warehousing component of your business, I would be thinking that you would be reviewing perhaps your Shopify carts as it's the first one that comes to my mind when I'm thinking of that functionality. With COVID still being around and you know, it depends on who you talk to, how long it's going to be around for. In saying that, I know for a fact now that here in Australia, we've got some businesses that are trying to import stock from all places around the world and they're having troubles in doing so. That's sort of something that you've got to really be on top of, not just from a sales side of the equation, but also on a stock part of the equation as well. I'm always here to give advice if, if someone's uh, looking for some advice there as well. 
2024, I did not know that year. Publications have come out, more so you know, newspapers who have studied the economy, and that's what they've said, that that's when they predict that we'll be cashless. Where I feel sorry for is I feel sorry for, for those outside Australia. We are predominantly an ageing population, us Aussies. So what are the ageing Aussies amongst us? I know I'm getting on in my years now myself. I'm talking about those older generation where who don't have the flexibility of going out being in the workforce currently in the year 2021, being out there interacting with people, knowing how to pay for things electronically, how to pay for their, their rental payments or how to pay for this or pay for that. Even down to back in my banking day, I always used to see the, the older generation coming into the bank to have a conversation with their front office staff. And at times I thought they may be the only people that those older people get a chance to talk to person to person in, in a week, maybe a fortnight, maybe a month. There's a lot of change that needs to go on a lot of perseverance a lot of understanding and more so probably a lot of patience that we need to show to those people in, in our community yes absolutely and it's definitely something we need to think about when we're looking at the customer journey and making sure that we are accounting for all our customers and giving them the best possible in wrapping up what do you suggest that business owners should be doing to look at going cashless do you want to give us a, a couple of final tips yeah, sure, Kathy. Look, what I would like to do first, and I just want to use my banking background for once. For those outside Australia, we, the lowest interest rate has ever been known. And what I'd be saying to businesses, if you have lending facilities with the bank, if your interest rate starts with a two or above, I would recommend that you approach your financial broker if you originally obtained that finance through him or her, or go to your bank and have them look at reducing that rate for you. I'm just saying that with respect to variable rates here in Australia, fixed rates are a little bit of a different kettle of fish. Certainly do that because lowering that rate down can ease the cost of living pressures. What I do secondly is we've talked about payment solutions. Certainly I'm here to assist you in any way I can. If you're still someone who is somewhat married to your bank, that is excellent to hear. What I would be doing with that relationship is going in and sitting down or calling your bank, having them prove to you why you should be using that facility and why that is the best cost variant for you in what you're actually doing. Because I wish our banks were a little bit more proactive in, in that space, but unfortunately they aren't. Thirdly, into some businesses where they're not accepting cash, I'm never going to attack a business owner for his or her reasons for doing that. However, but if you're having people come in that are not used to paying for everything by card, I think it's it's what makes us Aussies a little bit unique is that we like to help others. And it's at that time that I would expect you would show those people a little bit of leniency and allow them to pay for their goods or services using the cash that they would have. No doubt they've worked hard for that over the working life. So, yeah. Perfect. So I think that's really good tips there. So if people are interested in getting some of that lovely advice that you've offered or looking at a different payment solution, where can they find you, Mark? My business is, as the name suggests, is Costless Payment Solutions. So they can reach me on the World Wide Web on my website. My name is Mark Grant. I am on LinkedIn. You can also find me on Facebook. You can reach out to me that way. And if all those links will be in the show notes. So if you are looking for Mark, you just need to go to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash 122, which will be the episode number and the show notes. So that is fabulous. Thank you, Mark. Some very good tips there, which will also be in the show notes. So now at this stage of the podcast, I get to ask you five questions. 
So are you game? <laughs> okay, yes, I am, yeah. Excellent. What is the best advice given to you by a mentor? Best advice I was given was to never judge a book by its cover. Very true, very true. What is the biggest help that you have received since starting your business? Biggest help I've received is people being understanding and accepting the possible new way of payment solutions in their business. That's a very relevant one, isn't it? Because we get so set in our providers and even when they're not doing the best job, we don't like to change. So sometimes we do need to (laughs) just look outside the box a bit and jump on that change. Okay, what is the one thing that you have to do every day, your non-negotiable? My non-negotiable is exercise. And I think that should be more and more people's non-negotiable as well. What kind of exercise do you like to do? Favourite is, uh, one, obviously walk my uh, small dog who has been quiet here this afternoon, which is surprising. And also I, I do a lot of charity work at the moment, training for a 130k charity bike ride to raise money here in Brisbane. Fantastic. So that's just over the 100 miles. So that is quite a way. So very good luck with that one. What is your favourite business book and why? I am not a reader. My favourite business book is the morning newspaper. Yeah, I'm an avid avid reader of of newspapers and financial journals, but the only time I really get a chance to read a book is when I'm laying down before I'm going to sleep. So I read one page and I'm gone. You know, being an Aussie, a lot of sports autobiographies at the moment. It takes me three, four years to read one book. (laughs) (laughs) Now, maybe that needs to be your non-negotiable is five pages a day. Yeah. So what do you wish you had known when you started out? You're never too old to stop learning. Always look on the outside in and always be susceptible to change. Fantastic. And my mother-in-law went back to uni in her 60s and did an arts degree, which she completed and changed her career. So I definitely think you're never too old to start learning. So if you're in a job that you're not happy with, just always remember that there is the possibility of change. Absolutely, Cathy. Fantastic, Mark. Appreciate your time. And is there anything that you think we should have covered that we haven't? Do you need a parting word? The only parting word is be susceptible to change. Know that this is where our economy is headed. Thank you very much, Mark. Appreciate that. No, thank you, Cathy. Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads for all the show notes and links to this episode. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode, take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action. And SBT community, enjoy your journey.